Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles and go with me to Romans chapter number eight, the book of Romans and chapter eight. If you don't have your Bible with you this morning, there should be one perhaps in the back of the seat in front of you, maybe in the back of the seat behind you, you'll find a copy of God's Word. And we would encourage you to pick up that copy and follow along with us. We believe there's nothing more important than having God's Word in your hand, in your home, and in your heart. And in fact, if you don't have a Bible at all, that would be our gift to you. We want you to take that with you as you go from this place. We are in the book of Romans, so how you'll find your place is across the top of the page, you'll look for the word Romans, and then big number eight, we call that a chapter, okay? So Romans chapter eight, and we are in verse 12. That's a small number. So chapter eight, verse 12. And if you found your place and if you're willing and able, would you stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's word? Romans chapter eight, verse number 12, verse 13, and verse 14. We are walking our way through the book of Romans. This is our Bible preaching and teaching method here at First Baptist Church. Next chapter, next verse. We believe this helps keep us accountable as teachers and preachers and pastors. This helps us grow as believers and that we aren't skipping over or through certain passages of the Bible, but that we're being very careful, man, to, to fail not to preach unto you and to me the whole counsel of God. So this is why our preaching and teaching method is the way it is. And we are in what I believe is one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible, chapter number eight. And chapter eight, the Apostle Paul has given us what it looks like to live life through the Holy Spirit of God. He began in verse number one. There is now no condemnation. God does not regret saving you. God does not regret bringing you into his family. God knows all there is to know about you and he loves you anyway. He knows you have stinky feet and he still loves you. He knew it before he set his love on you. And yet he still chose to send his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in your place. Wow. Man, the love of God. There's no condemnation. The spirit living inside of us reminds us that God does not regret saving us. There is no condemnation to them. Then he started in verse number four. This was sermon number two, that the Holy Spirit leads us to live a life that pleases God. Because when we live a life in the flesh, you cannot please God. The flesh cannot please God. But when you live a life in the Spirit, the Spirit leads you to please God. It helps us understand that just because you think you should doesn't mean that you ought. Just because you think you should doesn't mean that you ought. So just because you say, well, I want to do it. It makes me feel better to do it. And I think I ought to do it. Well, you should run that feeling through God's word. And when we live according to the spirit, and the spirit leads us to live lives that are then pleasing to God. Because when we live according to the flesh, the flesh is incompatible with God. The flesh cannot please God. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Even your heart, even my heart. And so we live after the spirit, not after the flesh. That was sermon number two. Last week we were verse number nine, verse number 10, verse number 11, in that the Holy Spirit reminds us that we belong to God. You ever wondered, where do I belong? I don't know where I belong in this world. The Holy Spirit reminds us we belong to God. You're his and he is yours. And he fills us with his spirit. This is a wonderful gift, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. That the moment you received Christ as your savior, the Holy Spirit took up residence inside of you. And the moment that any believer has accepted the Lord Jesus as their savior, the Holy Spirit took up residence in them. So that's why when you get later on in the apostles or, or in the New Testament, that's why you're supposed to love one another. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you and the Holy Spirit lives in him and the Holy Spirit can't hate himself. So you can't say, I hate my brother, but I love Jesus. No, you can't say that. 
And John would say, if you say that, that's probably evidence that the Holy Spirit doesn't live in you. Because if the Holy Spirit lives in you, well, the Holy Spirit loves all those that are His. Wow. Now we come to the fourth sermon. I told you there's going to be like nine sermons in Romans 8, okay? Verse number 10, or, or verse number 12, rather. Therefore, therefore, okay, so because of everything I just told you, that's what therefore means. You know, the, old, the old preachers from generations ago, they said, when you see the word therefore, you should always look to see what it's there for, right? You look back, therefore, because of everything I just told you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Fourth truth. Living life in the Spirit. Fourth truth. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live victoriously over the flesh. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He gives us the strength. He gives us the ability. He gives us the power. He gives us the muscles. He gives us the juice. He gives us the energy to live victoriously over the flesh. You do not have to live a life of defeat. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. So how do we exercise that power then? That's what we're really going to drill into that this morning. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, use your word in our hearts and lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. God is commanding us to do something that he has also given us the ability to be able to do. God is commanding us to do something that he has also given us the ability to be able to do. Here's what he's commanding us to do. Look at the end of verse 13. Mortify the deeds of the body. Okay, so that's the commandment. Mortify the deeds of the body. Put to death, that's the word mortify. Put, put to death the deeds, the works of the flesh. If you, want, if you want to know what the works of the flesh are, Galatians 5. We already hung out there earlier on, so we won't do it again today. But Romans or Galatians 5, here's this long list of the works of the flesh. Anger, fornication, jealousy, gossip, discontentment, pride. Right? All of these things are the work of the flesh. So here's the commandment. Mortify. Put to death all of that. Kill all of that inside of you. That's the commandment. But How? So what we said was the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do what God has commanded us to do. The commandment is put it to death in your life. How do we do that? Look at verse 13. This is a very important phrase. Through the Spirit. If you mark in your Bible, you should mark that phrase. Those three words. Through the Spirit. How do we put to death the deeds of the flesh? How do we put to death the deeds of the uh, of the body? How do we put to death sin in our lives? How do we rid it, get rid of it, push it out, run away from it, execute it? How do we put to death the deeds of the flesh? You do that through the Spirit. Three ways to see it. Number one, notice this power is available through the Spirit. The power is available through the Spirit. This is the power of victory through the Spirit of God. The power of victory through the Spirit of God. If you are going to live victoriously over the flesh, it will be only through the Holy Spirit of God. A very simple reason for that. Why? Why can it only be through the Spirit of God? Here's why. Because flesh cannot beat flesh. Flesh cannot beat flesh. Sin cannot beat 
sin, right? So we, because flesh can't beat flesh, sin can't beat sin, we needed a transformation. This is everything Paul's talked in Romans 1, Romans 2, Romans 3, Romans 4, all those chapters. Because flesh can't beat flesh, we needed a transformation. That transformation came to us through the gift of God, which was Jesus Christ, and now indwells in us through the Holy Spirit of God. There's a transformation because the Holy Spirit indwells us as believers. Paul has said, Romans chapter 7, verse number 18, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. There's no good thing inside of David Delaney. The only good thing inside of David Delaney is the Holy Spirit of God. Now, but before you shake your head and say amen to that, we know that guy. There ain't no good thing inside of you either. The only good thing in you is the Lord, the, the Holy Spirit of God. The only good thing inside of you is the Holy Spirit of God. The only good thing inside of me is that in my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. I find no ability to overcome sin. I find no ability to refrain from doing the things that I ought not to do. I find no ability to do the things that I know I should do. I find no ability to do that inside of my own flesh. And not only that, but when I do operate in the flesh, Paul has said in Romans 8, that the flesh can't please God. So when I am operating in my flesh and I do occasionally do a couple good things, I let the person in front of me in traffic. I do occasionally do a good thing. I, I help someone less fortunate than I am. I, I, I do something nice for my neighbor. When I do occasionally in my flesh do something good, then what happens? Man, I start to take pride in that. Like, hey, I'm actually not that bad of a person. Well, that, that pastor doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm actually a good individual, right? Well, simply because you do something good doesn't mean you do everything that you should. And that's a difference, isn't it? So you did one good thing. You did a good thing here or there. But these good things that we do in our flesh, man, oftentimes we end up taking pride for them. And the Bible says that God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when we swell up with pride and we go, wow, I'm actually a good dude. I'm actually an all right person. I'm actually a better Christian than most people that I know. What that actually is, is that is pride in our hearts of which God says he resisteth. In fact, you can make the argument that one of the greatest Christians who ever lived, the Apostle Paul, what does he argue? The Apostle Paul says, I am the chief among all sinners. That, that's a way of saying, I'm, I'm the king sinner. The guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament said, if you knew me, like I know me, you would think I'm the chief sinner. We've said this over and over at First Baptist. If we could take a machine and hook it up to your mind, and we could project all your thoughts from last week up onto that screen, how many of you are sticking around for the movie, right? If you took a machine and hooked it up to my mind and said, what did the pastor think this week? And let's project it up onto the screen. You guys are going, I mean, I'm out of here. I'm not listening to this guy. But before you make your way to lunch, if we did that to you, I wouldn't waste my time giving you the rest of the sermon, right? It is all of us in our flesh, there dwells no good thing. So how are we to have victory? We have victory. Here it is. That ability to have victory only comes through the Spirit. Look at the phrase again in verse number 13. Ye through the Spirit. There's a very subtle truth that happens in this, these three verses. If you're not careful, you miss it. Verse number 12, look at this word, a very important word, brethren. Brethren. So the the power of the Holy Spirit of God, which leads us to victory, is only available to those who are in God's family. You tracking me on that? 
The power of the Holy Spirit of God that leads us to victory is only available to those who are in his family. That if you are not in the family of God, then there is no victory. Why? Because the flesh leads to death. That's why. Because the wages of sin is death. That's why. So if you are in the family of God, then you have this power that has been made available to you. And in fact, when you read through the Bible, you'll find almost synonymous with power is the Spirit of God. I mean, the two almost lay side by side all throughout the Scripture. It reads, man, the power of God through the Holy Spirit or uh, the Holy Spirit which delivers or gives us the power of God. What, what is the power of God then? What is it for? It is to be able to overcome the flesh. And listen to it in Micah chapter number 3, verse number 8. But truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of God. How did the prophet say he was full of power? Truly, see, this is how we think about it. Truly, I'm full of power because I went to church today. Truly, I'm full of power because I gave some of my wealth to the poor. Truly, I'm full of power because I'm not as bad as her. Truly, I'm full of power because, no, here's what he said. Truly, indeed, I'm full of power. Why? I'm full of power through the Holy Spirit of God. But don't get me wrong. I'm glad you were kind to your neighbor. And I'm glad you did good things. I'm glad you gave offerings. And I am very thankful that you are at church. This would be a very uh, non-dramatic sermon if I were preaching to no one but, but myself, Right? But these are not the things that lead us to power. What leads us to power in the Christian life is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Luke chapter number 1, verse number 35, the story uh, of the angel visiting Elizabeth and the angel visiting Mary. Luke chapter number 1, and the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. This is not a Christmas sermon, but it's a, it's a wonderful Christmas truth that when the Holy Spirit of God visits your heart and life, when he takes up residence inside of you, when he indwells you, like we talked about last week, when this happens, guess what's associated with that? The power of God. The power of God. The power of God is seen most clearly. God flexes his muscles for us best through the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to it in Romans chapter number 15. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Romans 15 verse 19. Ephesians chapter number 3 verse 16. To be strengthened with might. Okay, another word power. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Because like, pastor, we get it. Like you're really, you're like driving this nail. We get this nail. I'm driving this so, because it's just such an important truth that when you became a believer, God filled you with his spirit. And by the filling you, the indwelling you with his spirit, he gave to you a power of which gives you the ability to overcome the flesh, to overcome sin, and to mortify the deeds of the body. The, the problem is not with the power. There's no lack of power. The problem is the appropriation of the power. So there's a, there's a power of victory. The power is available through the Spirit. Letter B, the appropriation of that power. Listen to what he says in the text. Look at verse number 14. Look at verse number 14. For as many are, or for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God. There's, there's two understandings of, of like being led by the Spirit or appropriating the Spirit's power in your life. There's two understandings that roll out through the New Testament. One is to be led by the Spirit of God. The other is to be filled with the Spirit of God. 
to be led by the Spirit or to be filled by the Spirit. Both of them communicate the same message. Paul, Paul uses both of them synonymously, right, in the same way. Paul uses both of them to help us understand how it is that, okay, the Spirit of God lives inside of me, but how is it now that the power of the Holy Spirit is actually appropriated, it's actually applied, it is actually working on my behalf in my life. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. But be filled with the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Both of those speak of an appropriation of the power of the Spirit. To be led and be filled basically means think His thoughts. Feel His feelings. Uh, emote His emotions, right? It, it, is, it means literally to go after the spirit, to think how he thinks, to feel how he feels, to see how he sees. And it quite literally is to be controlled by the spirit of God. And frankly, whatever controls your thoughts, whatever controls your feelings, whatever controls your mind, that is what you are controlled by. Whatever controls your thoughts, whatever controls your feelings, whatever's controlling your mind, that's generally the way in which we operate in the world. That is generally whatever is controlling us. It's illustrated like this all throughout the New Testament. You'll find different places or examples where it says they were filled with wrath. They were filled with anger. You'll find that in the Gospels. They were filled with bitterness. You'll find that in the Gospels. They were filled with rage. You'll find that in the Gospels. And what does it mean then? To be filled with wrath, anger, rage, uh, bitterness. It's not speaking of traffic on the 405. That's not what that's talking about. What does it mean then to be filled with all? It means they were controlled by that. Whatever that scenario was in which it was being used, he's saying they were controlled. They were filled with wrath. They were filled with bitterness. They were filled with anger. And he's saying they were controlled by those things in that situation. So watch, most of the time we do pretty good at balancing how we feel with things like happiness or joy or circumstances and how we feel about anger. Most of the time we do pretty good at balancing that. You're probably doing pretty good right now balancing all these feelings inside of you. And then, and then what happens? Someone cuts over in front of you in, in, in traffic, right? Traffic is the easiest one to pick on. Someone cuts over in front of you in, in traffic. And now, when you're doing pretty good, you are balancing all of these feelings. You, you had them all on the plate, and you're holding the little bar, and you're, you've got it all balanced. He cuts over, argh, you slam on your brakes, the plates go forward, right? And now what happens? What? This guy is a bozo, man. What's he thinking? Did he see me? Argh, argh. Right, you get right up on his bumper. And your wife is there. She's like, but you should back up. No, I'm not backing up. I'm letting him know I'm here. No, you should probably back up a little bit. Maybe he doesn't know. No, I'm not. He's going to see me right now. You're veering over. You're getting this little side mirror. You're mean mugging the mirror. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're in church. The Lord's watching. You should be very honest right now. And your wife's like, Come, it's okay. It's not a big, you know, no, man, I just, ooh. I don't know what happened. Okay, babe, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened there. Scott, you know, he, he got, I was, I was afraid for you. I thought he was going to hit him. I thought it was going to be a wreck. It was, I was actually being very protective of you. You spin that, man. We spin that in all kinds of ways. No, no, what happens? That, that balance that we normally do pretty good with, what happens? This circumstance dropped into it and we became filled with rage, flipped the balance. Now, we can talk silly about traffic, or you can be genuine with the Lord right now, and you can let him do a searching in your heart, and you can say, that's exactly what you felt when you saw him. You were doing pretty good. You saw that person who you are filled with bitterness toward, and it flipped you out of balance, and now you became filled. You were led by rage, not by the Spirit. So we can stay surface level, and we can go, oh, yeah, it's traffic stuff. Or you can allow the Holy Spirit to do some real hard work and actually get help this morning. In that moment, were you led by the Spirit? In that moment, were you filled with the Spirit? 
Were you appropriating the work of the Spirit of God in your life? Be led by the Spirit. The problem is not that there is not a power available. The problem is, is the appropriation of the power. It feels a lot better to be, I'm just so mad, so I'm going to punch the wall, and I'm going to tell that person what I think, and I'm going to yell at my kids, and I'm going to... It just, I don't know what happened. I just got, you know, I just, it, was, it was their fault. It was her. It was him. It was, no, no, listen. It was a failure to appropriate the Holy Spirit of God. At that moment, you did not have victory. You had defeat because you were not living through the Spirit of God toward victory. You with me on that? His power must be appropriated... In our lives, here's what's very interesting about Ephesians 5. When he says, be filled with the Spirit, here's what's very interesting about that. Is you keep reading through that chapter, and then he talks, and speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So when that event with traffic happened, did you start whistling, Jesus loves me, this I know. They cut you off, and you were like... No. I was not filled with it speaking to yourselves the Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, right? You were going like, step aside and let the man walk through, right? You went dark there. You went dark. Speaking to yourselves, Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Watch this. Then he goes on to giving thanks. <laughs> Thank you for cutting me off in traffic. I'm so thankful you did that. In fact, I'm going to give thanks for all things because now I'm going to be even more late to work. You are already late. Don't blame it on that guy. You, you are already going to be late. You're just more late now. Speaking to yourself songs and spiritual songs, giving, giving thanks, watch this, and submitting one to another. Please, who else wants to be in front of me in traffic? You see how it affects you? Then you go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, what does he talk about? Husbands, wives, wives, husbands, parents, children, children, parents, masters, servants, teachers. It affects everything. When you're really filled with the Spirit, when you're living through the Spirit, it affects every area of your life. It doesn't just kick in Sunday morning about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 11.15. For some of you, you came in late. 11.15. Is it just kicking, poof, all of a sudden, oh, now I'm filled with the Spirit. And now, come thou fount of every blessing. No, it affects every area of your life. That's, that's letter C. It affects every area. The appropriation of the power that's available to you as a believer through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. Hear me. It affects every area of your life. Your husbanding, yeah, I made that a verb. Your husbanding, your wifing, your parenting, your childrening. <laughs> it affects the kind of boss you are, it affects the kind of worker you are, it, it affects every area of your life. Why? Because you're living through the Spirit. There's a power that's available. Number two, number two, there's a position of victory. The power of victory is the Holy Spirit of God indwelling you. It's available to anyone who is a believer. Number two, the position of victory. L listen to the way the verse reads, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We, we're, we're debtors. This is a great New Testament truth. And here's the truth. Responsibility is always based on position. Okay, so this is the difference in Christianity and every other religion. Every other religion says, okay, listen, you want to get God on your side? You want his power working in your life? 
Okay, then here's what you have to do. You better earn it. You better get it. You better work for it. Do good deeds. Go to church. Give to the poor. Do all these things. And then maybe you'll get God in your debt. And then now God will have to give you good stuff in your life. Christianity says, oh, no, no, that's not how it works. Here's how it works. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that whosoever includes you. That whosoever includes you and everything you did last weekend. Okay, so when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. So when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he picked you up out of your sin. He picked you up out of that pit and he set your feet on a rock and he wiped you off and he clothed you brand new in Christ's righteousness. And he said, you belong to me. And he filled you with his spirit and he paid the debt of your sin. And he gave you this brand new position. He said, you have, to, you have to approach me as a tyrant. You can approach me as your father. When you pray, pray like this. Our father, which art in heaven. He's given you this brand new relationship with him. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Why are we debtors? We are debtors. The responsibility falls to us. Why? Because of the position we've been given. The responsibility is not ours in order to get the position. The responsibility is ours because we are already have the position. Are you with me on that point? That's very important to understand. The responsibility, we're debtors. We're debtors now. Why? Not to get the position of favor and grace and love. No, but because God has already given you favor and grace and love. And now that position brings with it responsibility. Therefore, because of everything I just told you in Romans chapter number 8, because of everything I laid out in Romans 7, because of everything I wrote in Romans 3, 4, 5, and 6 about justification and salvation by grace through faith, and because of everything in Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2 of how you went after your own God and you turned away from the real God as he's revealed himself to be, and you created these little idols and you tried to worship God, a pocket-sized version of God. Because of all of this, therefore, brethren, we are debtors to God. That's what, Rome, that's what Paul is saying. Responsibility, write this down. You want to remember it. Responsibility is always based on the position given. Not to get position in the family of God. That's, that's huge in, in your understanding. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Here's how he says it in Romans chapter 12. I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Okay, when do you present your body a living sacrifice? In order to be a brethren, in order to get in the family of God, in order to receive love, in order to receive grace, in order to receive acceptance? No. Brethren, because you are in the family of God, I beseech you, I implore you, I beg with you, I, I would drag you to it if I could, but present yourselves a living sacrifice to God. Responsibility because of position, not responsibility in order to get position. You tracking me on that point? He says it again in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 3, all the promises of God are yes and amen in the Lord Jesus Christ. Every good thing that God desires to do for you, he has already done through Jesus Christ. Then you get to chapter 4. Paul says, wherefore, brethren, walk worthy of the calling which you, which you now have. All the blessings are yes and amen. Chapter 2, chapter 3. All the riches of God are being poured out. God is rich in love and mercy and grace. So walk worthy of this calling in your life now. It's always position first. Responsibility always comes after position. You have two responsibilities. I want to give them to you fast. You have two responsibilities. Number one. First responsibility. The responsibility, number one, is not to the flesh. You go, well, that's like, that's like, a, that's like an anti-responsibility. But look what he says. 
Therefore, brethren, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh. Well, you just got to do what you have to do in order to be happy. You ever heard somebody say that? Well, you just have to do what you have to do. No, you don't. That's like the worst advice ever. That, that is absolutely not what the believer has to do. That's absolutely not what the believer has to do. You just do what you feel like you have to. No, you need to do what God tells you in his word and by his spirit to do. That's what you have to do. That responsibility is not to the flesh. Hear me. You owe the flesh nothing. You owe the flesh nothing. The responsibility is not to the flesh. But it is a responsibility, number two, letter B, to kill sin. Ooh, yeah, that's exciting. Know what he says? Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, number one, not to the flesh, but, verse 13, to mortify the deeds of the body and we shall live. It's the responsibility to kill sin. How do we do that? He tells us in the middle, your responsibility, your debtors now, to kill sin. How do we do that? Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. How do we kill sin? Through the Spirit. The responsibility to kill sin in your life only happens through the Spirit. If you are fighting sin without the Spirit, it is like open hand slapping a bear in the face and hoping that you're going to win. We're walking in the mountains of Gatlinburg. Ethan was probably, I don't know, five or six, taking this hike up this hill. There's signs posted everywhere. Beware of bears. Beware of bears, you know. We're walking up the hill. We're having this great imaginary conversation about how, wouldn't it be amazing if we saw a bear? Like, oh, yeah, man, it would be awesome if we saw a bear. And Ethan goes, Dad, if you saw a bear, what would you do? I'm like, oh, I'd wrestle that thing. Throw it on the ground, I'd punch in its face, choke him out, probably put him in an arm bar, right? So I just wrestle that bear. He's like, yeah, yeah, Dad, me too. We're walking up the hill, man and them are a little bit behind us. It's Ethan, Gabe's a step behind, then me, about three or four steps behind. We're walking up the hill. I said, keep your eyes open for bears. We're going to find one and we're going to fight it. He's like, yeah, Dad, maybe we could jump on it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, buddy, we could jump on it. Yeah, 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 maybe we can ride it like a cowboy. He's like, yeah, we can ride it like a cowboy, dude. We'll just do that. Oh, oh man, kung fu kick that bear. Right in the face. About halfway up the mountain, over in the side of the we hear. I said, boy, stop. Ethan's like, oh, what is it? I'm like, I don't know. Just hold on a second. Step out onto the pathway is this tiny little bear cub. It's a place like this. He had long, slender legs. He goes walking like this. He's just like, Dad, like, yeah, it's amazing. Look at that little thing. Then another one. Dad, look at that. I'm like, there's two of them. Just stay back a little bit. There's two of them. <laughs> I was okay with one, two, no. He goes, let's take a step back. I'm backing up. He's just like, Dad, look, it's another one. A third little cub bear walks out, looks like waves at Ethan, you know. He's like, hey, look. He's scooting closer. He's like, look. I'm like, no, back, 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 boy. Hey, kid, back this way. Gabriel's backing with me. Ethan's going that way. We're going this way. And out onto the path walks Mama Bear. She wasn't that tall. Her back was probably, you know, three and a half feet off the ground. She, she, she stood up. She'd probably be five feet. Ethan's like, yeah, look, it's the bear. And I'm like, Ethan, back up, dude. What are you doing? He's like, Rah! <laughs> Literally goes, Rah! <laughs> I said, Ethan, quit. You're dead. See you later, buddy. <laughs> so I grab Ethan and grab him by the shirt. I'm dragging him back. Let's fight it, Dad. Let's fight it. No, we're not fighting it. That was all fake, okay? Your dad is a chicken. <laughs> you see a bear, you run. You see a mouse, you run. You see any animal, you run. I said, what, what? 
Man, I was, I was willing to talk about how I would take care of the bear until it showed up. And there was no power available in that moment to fight the bear. See, trying, listen, trying to fight sin, overcome the deeds of the flesh, deal with your anger, deal with your lust, deal with your discontentment. Trying to do this in the flesh is like trying to fight a bear in your own power. It's not going to work. But if ye through the Spirit, if ye through the Spirit, I'm running backwards with Ethan dragging him this way. Gabriel's already down the hill. Amanda's moving forward. She's like, where's the bear? Look, it's up there, baby. Go get it. (laughs) Fight the bear through the power of mom. Oh, you're going to win. Fight the bear through through the power of dad. Nah, you're going to lose, dude. There's a power available to you as a believer to mortify the deeds of the flesh to kill sin, to not have to live with so much regret or guilt, to not have to live with so much shame, to not have to always come back and go, I I don't know what happened. I just got filled and it was their fault. It wasn't me. There's a way that you, as a believer, that you do not have to live with that. But that's only available through the Spirit of God. So brethren, be led by the Spirit. So brethren, be filled with the Spirit. And as many are as filled, led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Third, last, I gotta go quick. There's a pattern for victory. I'm gonna give this to you. We could give you, we could give you 15 ways to, to be filled or led by the Spirit. I'm gonna give you, I think what I have four here, I'm gonna give you four, okay? These four would probably keep all of us busy enough, okay? Like if, if you excel in these four areas, then, then come back and we'll give you 15 more, okay? Let's get these four down. Here's the first. Meditate on the Word of God. How how am I led by the Spirit? How do I let the Spirit work through me? How do I defeat the flesh, the deeds of the flesh? How do I I defeat them in my life? Ready? Number one, meditate on the Word of God. Here's what he says. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When I meditate on the scripture, when I allow the scripture to fill my heart, to fill my mind, when I spend time memorizing the scripture. Listen, if all the scripture you get is 45 minutes on Sunday morning through a sermon, then you're not winning a lot of spiritual warfare. You need more than that. You need to be spending your time every day memorizing, thinking about, reading, studying some aspect of God's word. And maybe you can't read chapters at a time. That's fine, but you can read something. We've said this over and over. Give God the first five minutes of your day. Find some place in the scripture to begin reading. I would encourage you, use Psalms. Go to Proverbs. I ask my kids to read Proverbs. One proverb every morning is just wonderful instruction for them. Find some way, find some place in the scripture to begin in taking God's word. When Jesus fought Satan, what did he use? He used the scriptures. How did Jesus defeat the devil when the devil's tempting him in the wilderness? He defeated him by quoting scripture to him. Meditate on the word of God. Number two, cultivate obedience to God. First Peter chapter number one, here's what he says. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit. This is not, this is not rocket science. How do I... Allow the Holy Spirit of God to work through me in a way that allows me to win spiritual warfare. Ready? Obey what you already know you're supposed to do. It's easy. Obey in the areas that you already know you're supposed to obey God in. 
See, if you're being disobedient to God in all these other areas, right? We're lying and we're angry and we're discontent and we're, 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 we're yelling at the kids all the time and, and we're cheating on the wife and we're taking stuff from work that doesn't belong to us and we're clocking in early and clocking out late. And we're, like we're doing all, if we're already doing all these other things which are not becoming of the children of God, if we're already being disobedient in those areas, then why do we expect we're going to be obedient in a new area? You're not going to be obedient in a new area if you're not already obeying here. So in the areas where you already know this is the will of God for you, even your sanctification, that you should pray always and in all things give thanks. This is the will of God for you. Wow. Okay, I should start there. I'm going to start in the areas that I already know I should be obedient to the Lord in and yet am not. Cultivate obedience in your life. Let us see. Confess your sins against God. Confess your sins against God. I like what Spurgeon writes on this point. Here's what he says. There are certain things God can only heal when you bring them into the light. There's a certain kind of moral mildew on the soul that you can only get rid of by exposing it to the light of God's presence. First John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then hear it, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. This is justification, that positional justification that he's picked you up, set you down, clothed you, you belong to him. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's sanctification. That's the way in which we should be walking as the children children of God confessed unconfessed sin in your life that kind of stuff that you're it's not that big of a deal that moral mildew on the soul Spurgeon said James says confess your faults one to another and you shall be healed it doesn't mean that you tell everyone everything you've ever done that's, that's not going to be helpful to anybody. Hey, sister, I was thinking really bad stuff about you, and I really hate your guts. <laughs> really, I thought we were fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not fine. I, sometimes I just like, <clears throat> want to do that to you. Maybe you should just like leave that with the Lord. You don't have to tell her about that yet. You don't have to tell everyone everything. Hey, but hear me. There's, there's probably someone that you should talk to about that. You don't have to tell everyone everything. But there's probably someone that you should go, hey, can I, just as a friend, as a teacher, as a spiritual leader, can I? By the way, we have some wonderful spiritual leaders in our church that you should use as those resources. Just begin with our pastoral staff, our deacons. These are wonderful spiritual men and women who would love to help you with that. Confess your faults one to another. You'll be healed. Last one. This is, this is my favorite point. Walk in the assurance from God. Look at verse number 14. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We want to talk more on that next week. Verse number 15. And if ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It's very interesting. In almost every language, they have this short, repetitive word like Abba. In, in English, it would be Dada. Daddy, how many of you remember when your kids were little, they called you dada, 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 right? In Spanish, papa. In Khmer, ba. In Korean, abba. I had Tagalog, but I forgot what it was now. What is it? Tatai. Look at this multi linguistic pastor right here. It's amazing. I speak like five languages. Every language, they have a word 
Aber. Aber. Dada. It speaks of endearment. It's this term of love, this term of affection, not, not this rigid, cold, removed. No, he is your Abba. What? What, are you kidding me? We can go to God like that? And when we do, we receive what? Man, that assurance. That assurance. When I have victory, when I have victory, learn to cry out to God, Abba, Father, Daddy, help. Daddy, help. How long has it been since you said that to God? How long has it been since you said that to God about your marriage? How long has it been since you said that to God about your parenting or about your parents? How long has it been since you said that to God about that relationship? Schooling. How long has it been since you've just gone, Daddy, help. God, I need your help. I'm losing over and over and over again. And I want to know what it means to have your power being worked out in my life. It's a beautiful verse. We're going to unpack it next week, so I want you to be with it. But I didn't want you, I want you to be with us while we do, but I, I don't want you to miss it for today. As part of understanding your victory is walking in the assurance of the relationship that you have with your Father, who is God of the universe. Listen, here's how Paul says this. And if God, God of the universe, and if God is for us, well, then who can be against us? Come on, bear. Is God has filled me with his spirit. And I'm a debtor to him because of the position that he's given to me. Daddy, help. Father, help.